It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. All across the fantasy universe, welcome everyone to the two-point stance powered by FantasyPoints.com. I'm your host, Brian Drake. You can find me on Twitter at Drake Fantasy. Joined alongside the managing editor of Fantasy Points, Mr. Joe Dolan. He's found on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. And Joe, we're putting a bow on the 2022 fantasy season today with a very special guest, someone <clears throat> you know well, Mr. John Hansen. So, Joe, how's it going on your end? And are you ready to learn some lessons from this wild ride we call the NFL season? You know, it's a uh, kind of ironic that the article that wraps up the 2022 season kicks off the 2023 season for us at Fantasy Points. John's big lessons learned, which he, I'm guessing John starts throwing this together. We'll have him tell us that. that uh, starts throwing it together right at the end of the year, and it really kicks off our content for 2023. Get it up right after the Super Bowl. It's behind us, guys. Draft season, free agency is right ahead of us. Best ball season's right ahead of us. What better way to look at 2023 than what we did right and what we did wrong last year? So let's bring in the guru himself, John Hanson. You follow him on Twitter. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys that. It seems like everybody in uh, the world follows him at fantasy underscore guru. Uh, of course, you see him on DirecTV's Fantasy Zone channel. And uh, one of my favorite places to find him, hosting the now three-hour long. Three hours. Sirius yeah. XM uh, Fantasy Football Morning Show on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Mr. John Hansen, welcome to the two-point stance, sir. You got it, man. Love the Drake. Uh, love Joe Dolan. Love FantasyPoints.com. Love that you're now kind of in the mix. We sucked you in here. So let's go. Uh, now, unfortunately, it was such a wild and crazy year. I got nothing. I, I No, I, I'm kidding. But I did change the article around a little bit. You know, what I normally do is the season ends. And I, I'm sorry, I'm starting to account for the lessons learned, you know, all year. Uh, just kind of marinate in it throughout the playoffs. And, and normally I'm late to get it done. But my goal, which is like sun, uh, Monday morning for the Super Bowl. Uh, I'll try again next year, I guess. It's 27 years in a row. I didn't get it done. Uh, it's very difficult to end it you know like i go through and i do like various sweeps you know sometimes one time i'll go through my draft plan article uh, all right what did i get right wh where was i wrong uh maybe a, two days later i'll study the the final standings and and see if anything pops out there um then i'll go back and i'll look at like good vibes bad vibes article like wh what miscalculations mistakes did i make uh, this was a weird year in that I, I don't have many like truly profound lessons kind of I so I did it a little bit differently this year where I, I kind of made it I used to be a little bit more like these are the lessons and I kind of made it a little bit more about like these are my lessons because I'm kind of like narrowing things down as I get a little older and like it it it, it really just for me comes down to like whatever process I go with did that work or not. Did I get it right or wrong at the end of the day? That's all I really care about. So it's it's kind of an exploration, the article of, you know, stuff I got right, 
stuff I was thinking that worked out and, you know, any lessons learned from that. And, and most importantly, what did I get wrong and what can I do to adjust? There were a couple instances where, you know, I'd probably do what I did again. Unfortunately, I think that was a function of this, this year, which was, they're all weird, but this year was a, just a different weird. I can't even still articulate it. So you've been doing this for over 20 years and you're one of those guys in the fantasy industry, kind of what you call in the preseason really sets the market, I think, for a lot of people. And we'll get into groupthink a little later in the show, something you mentioned in the article. But what I love about this article, John, is you've been doing it, and it's you you don't always just toot your own horn and say, here's what I got right. It's here's what I got wrong. And a lot of folks in this industry don't want to do that. But at Fantasy Points, guys, we know that you're not going to get better as a fantasy player or really anything you do in life if you don't go back and look and say, what's the process here? What am I missing? What can I get better at every single day? That's how you're going to cash checks and hoist trophies. That's what we want here on the two-point stance. Yep. So more and most importantly, it's free. Go to fantasypoints.com right now. The article is live. It's free. Anybody can read it. I want you to read it today. I want you to read it the day before you do your 2023 drafts in the summer because you can really get a lot from that. But let's kick things off here, John. You started at the quarterback position in the article, and – you were really high on one guy, and that was Joe Burrow. You planted your flag on him, and boy, did it turn out really well for you. Finished the year as QB4, over 21 points a game. You got to feel great about that call. And maybe we could talk about some of the guys, you know, you're, you're pushing to the side because to me, quarterback now, it's like there's like five guys that I want to target, and that's about it. Everybody else, you can have them. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> one of the things I do also is I look back at last year's lessons and uh, I, did it did it hold up because, you know, I have been doing this for a long time and we do want to get better and learn from our mistakes. But, you know, that goalpost is constantly moving. You know, a mistake I made in 2014, I'm probably not not making right now. So it is something like you, it's like the tax code. You know, you have to constantly update, you know, little alterations, a little tweaks. And one of the big lessons learned last year that I wrote about, and there's a link to last year's article in the, in this year's article was, you know, this old cheat code thing uh, isn't all it's cracked up to be at times when these dudes are relying on their legs and taking a lot of shots. And I pointed to, Hey, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are the two biggest culprits. And look what happened. It happened again. So that was another lesson that, I threw out there for this year, like, Hey, I'll sign off on the cheat code. Okay. But I'm not signing off at 58 overall necessarily when, you know, quarterback is really deep. And then the other part of that was even with Jalen hurts. And I used him as an example, I think, and look what happened. He got hurt again in this. It's a fluky coincidence. He's durable as hell, but he did get hurt two years in a row here when it mattered. So, you know, I, I looked at it a little bit from an old school perspective and I'm like, we know that passing is, you know, if you're a good quarterback, I always use Matt Ryan as the example. Like, Matt Ryan was unbelievably durable. We, we knew what he was going to do. We knew he was going to throw it a lot. So every year, I'm like, oh, nailed it. I was off by, like, four points. You know, it's easy easier, I think, to handicap a guy that you feel confident, like, this dude's going to win from the pocket a lot more often than not. And you know, throw 30, 35 touchdowns and also run for about 295 yards, two to three touchdowns. Like, keep it in your back pocket. And I used Mahomes as a great example. Obviously, Josh Allen's the king. 
but I use Mahomes as a great example. And then I just simply pointed to Burrow. Like, that's the guy. Uh, of course, this is last year. Uh, that worked out. Uh, didn't work out necessarily for Justin Herbert. But we also want to make sure we are confident that the guy's going to run because Herbert didn't run this past year, and that was part of his problem. I don't know if, you know, the rib cartilage injury uh, was, you know, how much that stopped him or prevented him from running. But he, he ran a lot more the year before. But, yeah, the, the big takeaway here for me, not the big one, but, you know, one of the bigger ones here at quarterback is, again, I want my guy to be reliable, win from the pocket, but let's not be totally reliant on touchdowns because if you are, then you're, you got to be like Matt Stafford or Brady. You got to throw like 40. But we could do 35 with three rushing and 300 yards rushing as well. John, this stat absolutely blew my mind. I, I like I have to reconfirm with you that I didn't mess this up when I edited this. You you put in the article and you mentioned why this year was was a, a, a every you always say the year to year is weird. Every year is weird at this point. But here is yeah. why this one was uniquely weird. And I think this is what you were getting at uh, a couple of minutes ago when you mentioned that in the article. The 1.38 passing touchdowns per game this year was 35th most in history uh, yeah. uh, per team. That is insane to me. It really is. It, yeah. it, that's true? Yeah, I mean, I looked that up. Um, I, I, I didn't, like, make it up. I, I, I spent about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes looking into data and stats on the how how far scoring was down. I saw a bunch of different things. Yeah. This one really painted it uh, amazingly well, though, for me. So I'm like, oh, that's the most startling one of them, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the receiving touchdowns, because that, obviously that's correlated to the passing. So uh, can't have I mean, one they, without the other. Yeah. I mean, there, there have been some fluky years, even way back where, you know, we, we got maybe a lot of touchdowns. Very rare. Uh, but there were 17 times it happened with more touchdowns uh, before 1970, which is very weird. That, that's insane to me. And now somebody I, I, I saw mentioning you on Twitter in response to this article. And, and I think uh, it, he goes by Fantasy Giant on Twitter. And I think he kind of got at the crux of, this, uh, of the situation. He's mentioning guys like Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Andy Dalton, Malik Willis, Josh Dobbs, yeah, yeah, yeah. P.J. Walker, Davis Mills, Drisk. These, all these guys made multiple starts this year. So my question to you is, with your quarterback approach in 2023, which you're already formulating, mm-hmm. how much are you taking away from this, given the current climate in the NFL? Oh, it's a passing league. And the fact that the numbers were so down this year. Yeah. yeah. Are, are, are you viewing it from that perspective where – there was an, uh, just an inordinate amount of quarterback injuries and an inordinate amount of incompetent quarterbacks playing a lot this year. Not just spot, but playing a lot this year. Not to mention the defensive adjustments that really did baffle a lot of teams mm-hmm. You know that started last year. It kind of helped Patrick, Patty Mahomes work through some stuff last year that I feel like really helped him this year, by the way. It seemed like the league was ahead of, you know, two deep safeties and all that, what they were going to do this year. They were doing that to the Chiefs last year, and Mahomes adjusted last year. Then they were like, ah, screw it. We'll get rid of Tyreek Hill. We don't need this. We don't need the deep ball, basically. <laughs> uh, but to answer the question, you know, I mean, let's look at the leaders from this year and and look at how easy was it to draft a, a serious needle mover. Now, 
we can look at the final stats and say, oh, it was simple. Uh, Geno Smith, uh, Justin Fields, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff. They all finish as top 12 guys. Were we really relying on these guys every week? Maybe Geno, but even he fell down the stretch. So the true needle movers were once again Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Hurts, who is, you know, getting by right now with the cheat code for sure. We had Trevor Lawrence, but he had a five-week rough patch. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're almost done in terms of the true, weekly, reliable guys. Herbert wasn't really that close. Uh, Golf certainly wasn't that. I mean, Daniel Jones, maybe, because he was running. Kirky was solid as usual, but you, you never totally trust him. He can lay an egg. Rodgers got worse. Lamar and Kyler, obviously availability problems. I was out on Russ Wilson anyway. You know, I kept saying he was a declining player last year. Uh, and that's it. So, I mean, Dak wasn't all that great. So, I've actually, Joe, paid a little bit more attention to quarterback. So, yeah, the, the scoring is down. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm I'm like going to pull back on drafting receivers early or quarterbacks because we'll get into the running backs in a moment. But they they were a freaking nightmare too. So, I am kind of leaning a little bit more toward receiver, which I did last year, this past year, by the way. But Joe, I've always, um, not always, but recently, I've actually written in the draft plan. No, I don't want to be the first one to take a quarterback, but I'd like to take the fifth. Yeah. guy off the board that's why burrow was so appealing to me because he was the seventh guy you could get him i got him every every leak every single league. I just just give me burrow uh, you know sixth seventh round you know that worked out there, there aren't that many guys like that i think herbert might be a little bit of a bounce back guy and you know i like the early uh guy i like as a like a real steal would be deshaun watson like you know there's a guy who can throw 30 from the pocket he's done it and he'll he'll even give us more uh, upside. You know, he could run for 450, 500 with five, six touchdowns. Yeah, I don't even know if he's going to be going that early this year because he sure didn't show well this year. And uh, no, no, obviously he's QB eleven early on. See, I'm yeah. all over it. Yeah, so yeah, I mean that's actually a little bit earlier than I thought he would be going at, at this spot. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I think you know Mahomes, Hurts are going to be off the board super early. I think people are going to Drake. I, I really do think. Um, a lot of folks are going to get more into drafting quarterbacks early after this disaster of a year. Maybe take one early and then take a guy who you might liken to like a Jared Goff later. Maybe Sam Howell, you know, ends up being the starter in Washington. But it's going to be a fascinating year because I think a lot of people are going to fall back onto all those mid-round quarterbacks I drafted, all busted. I'm just going to I'm going to get my safe guy. It's going to be interesting to see what happens this year. Yeah, to spin it forward, I just completed a 10-man draft for SiriusXM where it was a bunch of hosts from the channel. I selected ninth overall. And just to tell you where these quarterbacks are going, again, this is 10-team league. Josh Allen was the first quarterback off the board. He went with the final pick of the third round. Hertz, Mahomes, and Burrow came off the board in the next five picks. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where people are going. They're saying, I want to get this elite player. And it's funny, after that, the next quarterback was Justin Fields uh, in the uh, at the 5-3 of this 10-team draft. So just to you know, give you guys a heads up of what's happening in that quarterback room, I think you're going to see a lot of folks in your drafts in 2023. They're going to say, screw it. I want to go get my guy. I want Josh Allen. I want Hurts. And I just want to set it and forget it. 
It, that yeah. used to Josh be. Josh Allen the, was my guy the year before, I believe. You know, there were two years where he, you know, I like to have like my one guy, uh, and it was Josh Allen, but he got too pricey this year. And he was good, but once again, the, if the numbers are almost identical, but was it, did, did he, I know the numbers were good, but it, there were definitely more trouble spots there. And by the way, that leads to another lesson. It's not really a lesson. It's more uh, reaffirmed, but. I mean, how important were the offensive coordinators to quarterback play this year? I mean, ridiculous. Josh Allen had the drop-off with Brian Dayball, and then Daniel Jones literally became the poster child for, you know, this guy could be good in the right situation. If everything's good around him, you know, it's that's now Daniel Jones because a lot of people thought he was really bad and couldn't play, and that's that's not correct. He, he needs – he needs to some massaging, you know, he's not going to make a really bad situation. He'll probably make it worse basically. But if he's got a good situation, I think he could win uh, with him. Uh, look, look at the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and get no offense to Byron Leftwich, But uh, if you guys may recall, I was completely out on Brady all year. I actually loved him the year before. I, I, ju- I just thought the, the loss of Bruce, you know, every day in that building was something. So, there was that, of course, the fiasco with Mac Jones. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. We we saw it coming a mile away, and it was even worse than we thought. And then, of course, Ma, Mike McDaniel. Like, you know, if you subscribe to the website, you, you read my article. I'm like, yeah, this is going to work. You know, it, it just it just it, it was obvious, and it, it did. Uh, and then finally, Doug Peterson. I, I was I kind of ragged on him a little bit. I'm like, ah, you know, he's boring. But you know what? Boring is is okay sometimes that was that was an unbelievable i don't think they can he can top it like you know expectations are high now for doug everything went perfectly like i want to talk about literally hiring your guy and then having that guy go out and handpicked his receiving core basically in free agency and it all worked yeah you mentioned boring and that's going to lead us to the running back position and the cover boy for your article is Josh Jacobs over at fantasypoints.com. I don't know who designed that graphic, but it looks damn good. Uh, So it seems that nobody wants to draft a running back anymore, John, right? The narrative is they all get hurt. You can find a diamond in the rough later, which is fine in theory. But at the end of the day, you got to draft someone and fill out your roster. And you're a guy who always wants young ascending talent, especially at the running back position. And But we ran into these boring guys like Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders and David Montgomery who were just looked past, but they really helped people win fantasy titles. Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders finished as top 10 PPR backs. Yep. Yeah. No. And you know, look, I mean, that it goes in line with, you know, arguably the biggest lesson we learned in fantasy this past year. And, you know, there have been years and times over the years where the whole contract year theory thing was, ah, you know, uh, they're professionals. Um, but clearly, if there's any group of players age-wise and position that we're going to, you know, give uh, credence to the old contract year theory, it's the 25-year-old, 26-year-old running back in the final year of his rookie deal, obviously. You know, and I wrote in the article, I'm kind of mad at myself because, you know, I've been out there saying, like, even in society since COVID, like, everyone's worse at their job uh, everywhere. And, you know, a lot of quiet quitting going on. I'm like, yeah, I see that in the NFL as well. Well, the inverse of that 
I think is dudes like more motivated than ever just balling out in their contract here. We saw it with Saquon Barkley. We saw it with the aforementioned Jacobs, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery. I mean, it was pretty ridiculous. So um, the other lesson kind of all tied together with this is, you know, and it goes maybe to the group think we are kind of all uniformly like writing people off too off too early, you know, like, you know, sure. Josh Jacobs, it was a new offense. There was that weird thing starting the hall of fame game. We didn't know if he's going to be the third down back and all that, but clearly like really like we should have paid a little bit more attention. He should have been going around in the forties instead of the mid seventies. So we are all kind of writing uh, guys off a little bit too early. Uh, let's take a look, John, by the way, at some of the uh, running backs who are going to be free agents after next year. Derek Henry, Austin Eckler. All right, I don't think we need to really go too far into those guys. But here's one that's going to be re- – Jonathan Taylor. All right, he's he's going in the top five. But here's one who's going to be really interesting, I think. And it's a guy you mentioned quite a bit in the article. DeAndre Swift. I think people are going to be yeah. burned by him. Yep. I think you put in the article, he, he just doesn't feel like he's a, a bell cow. Like, no. they obviously use Jamal Williams a ton. I am very interested to see where DeAndre Swift lands at some point this offseason because it feels like that's maybe one of those picks where everybody goes, man, he burned me one too many times, and he could be somebody who, in an offense that we know is ascending, and yeah. does have the continuity that you're looking for with it Ben does. Johnson returning. I understand why people might be a little hesitant to draft DeAndre Swift. Exactly like same reason I was hesitant to draft Miles Sanders. Um, different players, but same reason. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if that's going to be one of the guys who fits the bill of of the of the archetype you're targeting. Well, for sure. I mean, given the fact that I mean, the guy clearly there's something going on there that that's not good. You know, like, how do you – I've never seen it before where you practice all week and then you get, like, seven touches for, like, six weeks in a row. So, you know, I don't think he likes to get hit very often, so that's a problem. And – but but in the final year of his rookie deal, maybe uh, if they don't bring in another back, I'll get to that in a moment, um, I would have to agree. If, if I had anything positive to say about DeAndre Swift after this year, it would be directly related to this phenomenon but i was talking with our guy brett whitefield about Bijan robinson and he was like oh i'd love to see him as a lion i'm like oh damn just move right on from swift make him a complimentary change-up guy because that could be devastating could you imagine Bijan and swift behind that line hmm. yeah I, it, he's a great player and i think people are kind of catching on to your idea of you want that young sexy talent especially at the running back position and this year we saw a lot of flashy guys come into the league but a lot of them kind of flamed out just more so due to injury Brees Hall went down with an injury Damian Pierce with an injury uh and your boy Javante Williams who I saw you doing drafts last year you were taking at like two overall in some drafts uh, oh, yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah, I took ETN <laughs> in the serious host league like a week before the season. I took ETN at like 20. Like who was doing that last year? This guy um, also got Ramondre in that league. Yeah, it was a it was rough for that. But, you know, my my thing at this point is if if people are listening to me and they trust my opinion and I say, look, I think Brees Hall's a stud. Get him every time in the fourth round, which the draft plan article pretty much said that over and over again. 
uh, and he proves to be a stud. Like it's unfortunate he got hurt, but I'm like, I, I, I got this one right, so I'm good. Uh, you know, uh, same thing with Damian Pierce, even Rashad White, who you know I actually projected exactly correct. Like I was like two points off his actual number, but what I didn't think was that Leonard would only miss one game. You know, basically, but you know I thought that was a good call. Uh, but what are you going to do? So these last couple of years hasn't been great because these boring guys, you know, and who are, who are the boring guys the year before last? I, I can't even remember. I blacked it out. Maybe Montgomery was one of them. He was. But, you know, yeah. Oh, oh, James Connor. Oh, oh, J- John. Well, you know, yeah. I, did not, I don't think I drafted James Connor once two years ago. And then and I didn't least, do it this year. Either. I didn't do it Again. this year. Uh, Fournette was a guy I did dabble in two years ago, and that turned out to be a league-winning kind of pick. Um, so, yeah, I think we do need to do a better job of identifying um, just guys who everybody's out on, like, and especially guys who are going to be in good offenses. Because, like, in hindsight, Miles, like, Josh Jacobs, I'll, I'll miss on that 10 times out of 10. I will. Um Maybe I'll, I'll adjust something, but Miles Sanders really should have been one where we were saying to ourselves, man, this offense is going to be really good. And yeah. he's, and he just keeps falling. Like, I, I wonder yeah. if there's going to be anybody like that this year. Maybe it's a little too early to identify those guys, but, uh, but Swift might be one of the guys that I've kind of identified that. that early. Well, and, and what's funny is the worst part for me is I did have a guy like this. I, nobody else liked him, And turns out, I was looking good there until I wasn't. And that's Clyde Edwards Elaire. And I, I covered that in the article. And, you know, I, it's rare for me, I guess, to back a guy who looks like he might stink. But in this one, I just thought it was a calculated risk because I, I really, really was feeling like with Tyreek gone and them spreading the ball around, basically, not not really having much other than Kelsey to truly hang your hat on that the running backs would be more productive. And I was not wrong because they scored uh 23% more, uh, higher touchdown rate. Basically they scored 23% more touchdowns. Uh, so, you know, early on, um, first four weeks, Edward Delaire was RB four, uh, through like week seven, he was like RB 10 and it was solid, you know, then, then he, they soured on him then he got hurt and all that. But look at Jarek McKinnon. You go, oh, Edwards Alaire early on was touchdown dependent. Oh, yeah? So was league winner Jarek McKinnon. So, I mean, you know, I was basically envisioning what McKinnon did with Edwards Alaire, hopefully all year. And this is a guy who was a former first round pick who, you know, didn't look that bad. Uh, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. I thought it was a calculated risk. And it's right in line with everything we're talking about, like finding that guy that everyone's sleeping on did not work for me. One of the guys I'm going to throw out is my and what is the lesson, by the way, is it that he just sucks? <laughs> maybe it's maybe he's got some attitude. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think I think, you know, e- even with running backs don't matter. They need to play with some effort and juice like we saw from Pacheco, you know, I like. Mean, Sure. I mean, no one ran harder than Pacheco this year, but Miles Sanders has had some success in the league that, you know, Edwards Alaire didn't have Jacobs has had some success. So maybe we were just, well, to your point about good offense though, you know what I mean? Like if there's any offense that can, 
you know, shield us from a guy kind of stinking. I thought it was this one. Yeah, but like, I still think they want to play with some juice. But I think it does get back to which is, I think, a universal lesson. And it's, and 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 I'll always fall into this. If I'm if I'm drafting from round ten on, and Drake, I'll let you get to your guy um, until mm-hmm. we move on, before we move on to wide receivers. But j- draft running backs from good offenses. Draft young running backs from good offenses, and and and, and sometimes things are work, work work in your favor. I mean, it just. Yeah. McKinnon was a league winner, you know, um, Gainwell didn't do what I thought he was going to do, but I think he showed the potential at the end of the year um, when they started to um, move him into the lineup that, all right, yeah, he could have done that stuff. So I'll always be focusing on running backs from good offenses, especially in those later rounds. Yeah. One guy, I don't know if people are going to be excited to draft him. Uh, looking back at this draft I, I did the other night, uh, nobody was until the eighth round when I snagged him and it was JK Dobbins. And if he gets healthy in this offense, we're going to have a new offensive coordinator now. I mean, he's a talented player. And again, people are going to go, ah, he's always hurt. He runs. He's got a little gimp in his in his gait. J.K. Dobbins is a really good player. So we'll, we'll see what happens with the quarterback situation, all that down the road. But I got a feeling he's going to be falling like a rock. And uh, just for context, guys, DeAndre Swift, the only running back drafted in the fourth round in that draft. He went at the 4-8. Which, by the way, J.K. Dobbins, unrestricted free agent, one year and one month from now. There you go. I like it. And, folks, J.K. Dobbins is looking to get that bag next year. You can get yours for 2023 starting today, and you can do that by applying the lessons learned from John's article, Nowhere Better Than Underdog Fantasy. At Underdog, you can draft best ball teams today. That's right, today for the 2023 season. They have contests live right now with over a million dollars in prizes available. Hell, they got all the sports covered at Underdog. You can enter NBA contests, NHL, PGA, whatever you're fancy, all with our promo code Fantasy Points. Now it's Fantasy PTS. Head over to Underdog Fantasy, use our code Fantasy PTS, get your first time deposit doubled up to 100 bucks. Listen, you just spent that on flowers for your wife for Valentine's Day. Guru's got a story about that. He'll tell us if he wants. But use code FANTASYPTS over at Underdog Fantasy. We're going to double it. Imagine getting double the roses for 100 bucks. That's what we're doing for you. Underdog Fantasy promo code FANTASYPTS. All right, guys. Let's move on to the wide receiver position I do have right a story, now. Valentine's, real quick. Please, um, yes. It's not that uh, story about the, the, the flowers. But uh, one year, I thought, you know, I'm sick and tired of doing, like, candy and flowers let me just you know be a little original creative and you know get something different and my wife's always you know i guess all wives are always looking for that massage and you know we don't want to get too uh too much too deep into into uh, innuendo here but um i'm you know usually happy to oblige of uh, certain activities follow so i'm like okay let me get me uh let me get a, a professional massage table as a valentine's gift Dumb idea, stupid. This is like 20 years ago. Uh, my wife gets the gift. She's like, uh, thanks, bruh. Like, it was uh, very awkward for her. She's like, what am I supposed to? I'm like, I don't know. You always ask me for massages. So uh, needless to say, I tried it one or two times, and it's been rotting, decom- decomposing, I guess, decaying in my garage uh, ever since. Don't ever buy a massage table in a romantic setting. because Can I we guess- give it away as a prize from the podcast? <laughs> Maybe on the website? <laughs> Win Guru's massage. It needs table. its own Twitter account. Really, I mean, the unused <laughs> massage table. 
Let's go. I saw my wife was going to give a gift to a friend at a baby shower. It was a little baby onesie, and it sat on it. All mommy wanted was a massage. Uh, so uh, very cute. Very cute. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, they, they, they like massages. You know what else was cute, I thought, was the Magnificent Seven. Now, you coined this term for seven wide receivers that you wanted people to leave their drafts with. You know, you get one or two get of these of guys. Yeah. You got to get one. And damn it, John, you're not the guru for no reason. These guys hit. I mean, if you look at the guys you're talking about here, it's studs. You crushed it. It's Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. Okay, he got hurt, but he was still killing it. Chase, Diggs, Adam, CeeDee Lamb. And, you know, Debo maybe kind of had the, eh, the worst season of them all. But, I mean, brother, you nailed it with the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, that, I, I, I've used that before. I, 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 I've used Spectacular Seven. You know, I don't know why. People, it just kind of jumps out at me like, oh, wow. Um, and, look, these are all big names, obviously. But the point was, I don't know if there were, honestly, the consensus uh, ADP-wise. Um, I'm not even sure of that. that. They were our top seven. Uh, they were my top seven. So that's that's why I guess I did it. So I wasn't going off the ADP, but obviously it was close. But the point was, I thought that they really, truly stood out among the rest. Like, and, and it, it, it that held up too. If you look, if you sort by points per game, you'll see six of the seven there in the top seven. And then Debo was out of there. But the other guys, you know, Mike Evans, but, I, you know, it, there was a drop off. So I, I thought it was important to point that out. So I did. And also to give a little bit more love to the wideouts. Like I, again, I was more into taking a wide receiver last year than normal. Uh, I had Justin Jefferson at two overall. I, I was saying I'd take him at one because I actually was a little worried about Taylor. So, you know, I, I, I feel good about that because I, I feel like uh, the two like things I was really pounding the table on this year, they were pretty obvious, I guess, easy to say now, uh, but I, I feel like they, actually helped people and that was get justin jefferson if you're not sure about your running back in round one even if it's a two and hold off a little bit and just get joe burrow just do that you know i mean i've heard from a ton of people are like yeah you know it was a rocky year but you know i had burrow and i had jefferson done deal John, um, let's talk about uh, one of the elephants in the room and i know i'm not going to surprise you here because you brought it up in your article um, you talked about your maybe over-reliance on drafting rookies in 2022, and specifically mm. with regards to Sky Moore from the Chiefs. Yeah. What could, what did you take away from that situation? Are you pulling back on the rookies a little bit this year? Um, what 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 did you learn from the, the Sky Moore situation, who, uh, of course, ironically scored his first yeah, touchdown in the did. biggest game of his life? Uh, well, you know, let me quote A.J. Brown. Uh, if, if I can here, uh, in, in, in relation to my Sky Moore, uh, you know, love. Uh, this is to Juju. You was on your way out the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on a one-year deal, TikTok boy. So um, I, I did not think very highly of Juju. He looked pretty – he looked better than I thought. But he also went um, like – eight of his final like 11 games he was under 40 yards you know like were people starting juju in the playoffs yeah, he's dust he's dust uh did did anyone enjoy the Mecole hardman experience 
was anyone doing cartwheels because they got MVS? No, 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 really, the answer. So in that regard, I stand by it. But in retrospect, it was a little I was being a little too. Yeah, um, I mean, overly confident. None of their wide receivers really came. No, none of them did. You know, so I thought that Sky Moore would start slowly and just ascend and get better and better and better. It didn't happen, but in retrospect, again, I, I can understand it's a complicated offense. Um, and, and Mahomes clearly did not get to that trust level with Scott Moore. Uh, they tried, uh, and that speaks well for his opportunities going forward. They did try. If you notice, his snaps were good, but Mahomes never really was looking for him. He was just throwing to Juju because it was like throwing to a couch. You know, Juju can win against zone coverage, fine, um, but – Long term, I still I still believe in Sky, but that was that was a bit strong. I came out a little bit strong. My my point was, look, I'm going to take this guy in the ninth round every time. If it doesn't hit, I mean, it, it, is it going to kill me? Uh, the other guys stink, which they did basically, uh, but it didn't work out for Sky. So my question then becomes: If you go, th- if you're gonna, I know it's hard to do this if we're not looking at where these guys land in the draft in terms of draft capital, what the situation is, all that stuff. But do you expect when you're going through your draft plan, your 2023 draft plan um, this summer, are you going to anticipate having as many rookies on your team as you did this year on those? Teams? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not, not as late round flyers. Sure. Every time. And, you know, they kind of were that this year, but I mean, I did, I did, I kind of, you know, got a lot of good stuff right. I mean, I wasn't trailing Burks. I wasn't in on him, really. I wasn't much of a Drake London guy. He came out a little bit, but, you know, I. but the guys I loved w- did prove to be good at football, so that I feel okay about that. I know we want to get actual production, but, I mean, no one's saying, oh, you love that Jahan Dotson and he stinks, or, or that George Pickens. Uh, may- maybe Wandale. I mean, he didn't do a ton, yeah. but clearly I, I need to do something to um, get involved with the more boring picks because I don't know. I just love the sleeper phenomenon. I mean, it's this what gets me up in the morning. Like nobody needs me to tell them, you know, to take, take Dave Montgomery in the fifth round. Like, you know, you can just, nobody needs me for that. Uh, you might need me to though, to, to tell you to take Travis ETN 20 picks ahead of him. Like I, like I did, <laughs> You know, so I, I do love the breakout guys. Um, we, we do need to be a little bit more judicious. But, you know, by the way, um, another lesson, you know, seasons within a season. Uh, Christian Watson, I thought I scouted out perfectly. I'm like, this kid is, is an unbelievable prospect and talent. Forget year one. It's not going to happen. You know, he's raw, limited route tree, hands are sh- shaky. Rodgers won't trust him. Everything was true for two months, and then they desperately needed him, and then the, the cream rose to the top, you know. So, you know, seeing a guy like Christian Watson ball out like that, what was he? 11th round pick, 12th round pick. I'll still back those Yeah, times. and he ended up falling off, obviously, when he got hurt. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's it constantly evolving landscape. But, yeah, I mean, the thing about – you're right about the rookies, though. It's like, man, if these guys are that talented and they're going in the 11th round – you take a shot on them and yeah, it looks worse when you push them. But like, if anybody like, Hey, you're right. Thank you for telling me to draft Josh Jacobs, you know, like it wasn't a great call, but yeah. I 
I always go back to that year or two where I was I had a an actual man crush on Travis Kelsey. People were pissed one year. I'm like, I am so so sorry for backing Travis Kelsey, potentially the goat, back in uh, 2015. My bad. You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to remember that. I think it's all about landing spot this year. When you look at teams at the back half of that first round, like the Giants, the Chiefs, who need a wide receiver, the Dallas Cowboys, and you've got guys like, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and Jordan Addison and these kind of players with their pedigree that could fall to those electric offenses with potentially some really good quarterback play. I think those guys are going to shoot right off the board in that draft. I got uh, Smith and Jigba in the ninth round of a buddy of mine who's also in the industry. Sent me a text. He goes, I'm doing underdog drafts guys going in the fifth. So wow. I think it depends where you're drafting, you know, especially guys, if you're at underdog using our pro our, our code fantasy points, you might be able to get a little advantage taking some of these rookies early. Yeah. Because no people doubt. aren't and, on them. Absolutely. And, and especially even, you know, were you talking about pre before they're drafted, right? Yeah. Like right yeah, now, if you're totally, drafted, totally, totally. But also even after they're drafted, because, you know, there were two guys that I, I ranked, we did our, um, you know, I guess uh, rookie rankings for like the long term. I had it Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. But I did, and we did underrate Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave a little bit. I mean, keeping it real, we we did. I I didn't necessarily think that like Garrett Wilson would would rise to the top of the depth chart as quickly as he did with Elijah Moore and Olave too. Like you know, loved them as prospects. I thought they were just kind of eh, okay, you know, they're fine. But I wasn't like pointing them out like, oh, get these guys. So that I great re- greatly regret that. So. And again, these are guys I liked as prospects. So yeah, Joe, I am going to still do that because yeah. th- those two guys were unbelievable picks, Garrett Wilson, especially. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with taking Chase or Jefferson, or maybe even Cup, depending on his health, at one overall? I think that's where we're as we're going to twenty twenty three. That's where this is going to be. That top three is going to be, you know, Chase, McCaffrey, Jefferson. Hundred percent, because I mean, I, I I don't want to take McCaffrey in the top three. I, it still scares me. So. You know, I, I'm not normally like this, but I started this last year where I, you know, had Jefferson at two. Yeah. Yeah. I really, uh, now I, I also love Jonathan Taylor. So I'd probably take Taylor over any of them, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think we had six guys at our top 12, which is a lot for me at receiver. This year it might even be, might even be seven. John, I don't even know where to go at the tight end position. I mean, it's there's Travis Kelsey who scored 316 points. He scored 101 points more than the next closest tight end, which was TJ Hawkinson, who I think people are going to really love uh, next year with you know another season with Kirky in Minnesota. What are we doing at this tight end position? What lessons did you learn from 2022? I mean, it really wasn't much. I, I kind of went back, I guess, and 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 kind of like went through the the guys that I liked, Um, you know, like as an analyst, you can be, you can really make a good call and still just no one cares and and be completely (laughs) wrong because believe it or not, I had Cole Komet as my top breakout player at tight end. Uh, It was, uh, we had him at tight end eight in the preseason in October, like by Halloween, that was laughable. That was like, dude, retire. That was the worst call of all time. Guess what? He was tight end eight at the end of the season. No one cared. Didn't work. 
so I guess the biggest lesson for, for a tight end, and it, it applies to my guy Darnell Mooney as well, you know, just avoid an offense that, you know, when you really look deep down, could be really bad. I mean, it could be remedial. Um, I thought I was optimistic that Fields would take a step forward because all we heard in the offseason was they're going to, you know, cater the offense to his strengths and get him on the run. I'm like, cool. But then they didn't do that for a month, and he threw for like 76 yards in a month. So uh, I guess that was a lesson learned too. Like, you know, if if the quarterback might still be, you know, in a remedial stage, uh, beware, especially when it's a new offense. But then, you know, but then again, if you read the article, it's like ridiculous. If you took out the month where they were trying to win from the pocket and fields look like one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen, if you took out that month and just looked at Mooney from whatever it was, like week four to when he got hurt, wide receiver 22. As bad as it was. So did I learn a lesson there or not? I don't know. I mean, I guess the lesson is, again, did I expect Justin Fields to light it up like Patrick Mahomes? No. But I, I, I don't want to use the R word to describe the offense remedial. So uh, that was one of them. But, you know, it continues to frustrate us. Uh, Hawkinson, I liked a lot. Dawson Knox, Fryermuth, and Dalton Schultz. They all had their moments. Hawkinson was probably a, a league-winning type. Dawson Knox had that personal tragedy. Uh, Fryermuth suffered with uh, not even really a rookie quarterback, but a bad offense. And so then Schultz had that D problem. So. You know, keep on firing, though. But um, we did learn, though, that, again, to back it up, I, I, I did not have Kyle Pitts on my list. I, I wasn't skeptical. I was still skeptical that it was going to be a problem with the quarterback situation. So you, you can't throw yourself the ball. And, you know, breakout receivers can't break out by themselves. And then Mark Andrews, I thought, uh, you know, we're probably going to be hard to replicate what he did last year coming off a career year. So that's a couple of couple of smaller ones there. Before we let you go, and folks, of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to that Fantasy Points YouTube channel. We have so much great content going on here, not only the two-point stance, but so many other great content creators at FantasyPoints.com. Go over there, check out that YouTube channel, and again, go to FantasyPoints.com, read the free lessons learned article. It's going to make you a smarter, better player. So, John, you're on the Mount Rushmore of fantasy analysts, I would say. I, I know? don't know. I mean, that's good. I'm going to say that. Out the heads yet? That's, I, I do that in my spare time when I'm not hosting podcasts. Okay. Okay. You wrote in the article here about groupthink. You said groupthink is real. And people who spend a lot of time on social media, they get sucked into these echo chambers, yeah. right? And yeah. God knows if Twitter will be around 20 minutes from now, but it is. And, you know, you get the, the message boards and whatnot. And all of a sudden we get sucked into just because one guy says it, everyone picks up on that same narrative and kind of runs with it as their own. And sometimes that's not a great thing. And you reference in the article, the the Seattle Seahawks with Metcalf and Lockett and everyone just goes, eh, they're going to be terrible. I, yeah, you know, no, don't we even did. draft these guys. We did. No, I was guilty of it myself. Uh, and that was, that was group think, but it was a little different than, the, the 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 first group thing that you kind of alluded to, which I do feel like there is like a general narrative mm-hmm. on on fantasy Twitter and, you know, and anyone, you know, really trying to go rail up against that is, well, they're just trying to make waves for themselves. You know, it's, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. 
Um, I, I, I've always been someone to, I, no offense to anybody else, but I, I tried to not look at anything because there have been a couple of times where I've been swayed by another expert and it never works. So, I mean, I try not to participate in that. So I, I don't think I'm in group think, but sometimes my thinking is the same as the group think. Uh, which was Seattle and Gino and all that, but also um, Jacobs Sanders. That was, that was group think. I think, uh, I think a lot of us were out on Derrick Henry. That was a little bit of group thinking. Um, wasn't a bad call, but certainly wasn't a good call. By the way, one other lesson, and this is as basic as it gets, but did, did we notice, and granted Gino played a lot better than, than we thought, but I, did anyone else notice this trend of the teams that play like a lot of 11 or 12 or, 13 personnel that don't have a third wide receiver. You notice how steady the production is those oh, two starters. It's great, John. We, I, I, um, I call them on the fantasy feast with Ross and I'll surely do it here. I call them narrow fantasy teams. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, the and, Eagles and you, were one. The Eagles were one. Look, you had two receivers finish in the top, what eight at the position. 100%. Those two guys are going to be off the board in the top 40 picks this year. AJ Brown's probably going to be a first round pick. Um, yep, yep, uh, yep. I might be underrating where Devonte Smith's going to go. Um, but I, I love your term because you take a term and you turn it on its head. You called them the super spreaders. These, yeah, yeah. these yeah. coaches who just like, now the Chiefs did it out of necessity this year, and yeah. and they can do that because Mahomes is great. And Andy Reid too. Does I mean Andy, you're Andy Reid, man? You just go, man. Yeah, you, yeah, got Mahomes, you do what you go. want. You know, Sean Payton's gonna do. I don't know if, how much success he's gonna have with yeah. Russ, but he'll do yeah. it. But you know what? He's yeah. kind of earned the the right to do that. But are are there any the are there any coaches out there this offseason where we can say not only is that guy a super spreader, but his quarterback's not that great. The receiving core is not that great. That's a team to avoid. And I think you you pointed out, uh, I know Matt Ryan was way worse than we anticipated him being, but the Colts were that way under under Frank Reich. Well, and and Frank, you know, I don't know what is, what is, I mean, is he just trying to show off? Do you, do you have to use four tight ends, Frank? I mean, can, <laughs> can you have, and, and again, you know, people can, might say, well, what the hell do you know? You're sitting here in your mom's basement, fine. But, um, you know, I, I, I said on the radio, like, Again, not to toot my own horn, but if I'm railing on you and you're a head coach, you're probably going to get fired. I mean, it, it happens a lot. Uh, and I've been railing on Frank for a couple of years. Um, you know, I like the staple a little bit. Um, the Patriots, too, were they were really bad with that. Now, I know we, they do the matchup stuff and all that, but, you know, can you have some continuity like a staple? Um Nathaniel Hackett was a disgusting super spreader in the backfield. He just had to do it. Just got to get Mike Boone in there. Just have to. Uh, and I truly believe that it may have, it may have precipitated uh, or, or caused Javante's injury. You know, when you're out there and you're like, Oh man, uh, I'm not getting my, my touches here. I got, I got to maximize it. You know, you're not, I felt like they did everything they could to keep him out of rhythm. And all of a sudden, boom, ACL. And then Melvin develops a fumbling problem. Uh, I don't know. Could it be a coincidence? Sure. But the super spreader, uh, he's also no longer employed. So um, you can spread the ball around, sure, and, and be successful like Sean Payton's been. But some of these guys, it does feel like they're trying to be a little too fancy. They're trying to be better than they are, maybe. 
Well, we like to spread it around a little bit here at fantasypoints.com. We ran a prop contest for the Super Bowl where we were going to give away three. Let's maybe we shouldn't tell John this. We gave away three free subscriptions to fantasypoints.com. Only three? You guys are cheap. No. <laughs> First off, I'm blown away, John, at the response. Uh, the entrance, we had tons and tons of you entered this contest. I say thank you. Joe says something else because he actually had to grade these by hand. But we appreciate everybody jumping on here. I know we're a new show uh, on, on the YouTube channel and uh, for the podcast. But we do have three new members into the Fantasy Points subscriber family in third place. With 38 points, earning a standard subscription, Tom Caputo, welcome to the family. Right. In second place, 39 and a half points, Richie DeLuca. Now, hey, hey, Richie. I knew John hey. I knew Guru had to say that was about Richie. When you owned a pizzeria, Richie DeLuca was a guy Caputo, who was We got Caputo, we got DeLuca. Got a lot of South Jersey guys in here. And uh, first place with a whopping 48 points, earning himself an all-access subscription, Rick Adelstein, congratulations, Rick. We'll be in contact with you guys soon. Stay tuned to this channel and this show for more fun contests and draft all off season. Well, our guest, John Hansen, follow him on Twitter at fantasy underscore guru. One of the, if not the best in the business, John, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to, to hang out with the two point stance. Oh yeah. Well, uh, honored to be here. You guys already doing good work, kicking off the 2023 season, uh, in fine fashion. And, uh, Brian, I, I look forward to, uh, you being, uh, here more on the team this year. Can't wait. Can't wait. If we, if you make it out to Canton again next year, uh, I'll see you there for an adult beverage or seven. And you live, you live, uh, in the tri-state area, right? I mean, uh, I live in Syracuse. Yes. Oh, okay. So, so you're. Oh, okay. You're up so there. I, I, oh, wow. People think Syracuse is New York City, and we'll just, we just kind of go. Yeah, sure, it is right now. It's uh, yeah, so, middle. Go to where you don't want to be and take a left. That's where we are. Before we, yeah, I'm thinking it. about doing a Niagara Falls trip uh, with my with my kids. Uh, I've did it with uh, my two other kids, but uh, how far are you from there? Uh that's yeah, Niagara Falls, Buffalo. That's like two and a half hours. Yeah. John, yeah, have yeah, you yeah. ever been to the Canadian side of Niagara Falls? It's like a yeah. giant carnival. It's wild. Yeah, it's I the went best. there um, after SARS in mm. like 2001. I got like a, a five star hotel for like fifty four dollars uh, because everyone, no one was, no one was going. I'm like, yeah, we'll go. Uh, me and my my two oldest boys, I guess uh, we didn't take. Uh, I don't know where my wife was for that, but anywho, yeah, it's a good trip. Uh, <laughs> I did the it, same it's thing. Fun. I took my kids, my wife and I, she booked a hotel. She thought it was on the U.S. side. We drive up there. We're going over the Rainbow Bridge. She's like, yeah, this might be in Canada. No passports for the kids. No nothing. We get oh. to the border. They're like, so who are these kids? You got documentation? We're like, I got pictures on my phone. They're like, pull over, you idiot. Get over here. And they're like <laughs> grilling me about who the kids are, why I'm coming into the country. Oh, God. Damn. They still let us in. They're like, "Where?" I'm like, literally, I'm going to the Marriott right there. You can see it. I just want to like you know, have a beer in the lobby and let these kids run around the streets and drink some of yeah. the bat blue or whatever you do in Canada. But well, uh, they the let us in gem, the hidden gem there for people in that this region that uh, I was, it went to my wife and I've been there twice for like a very long weekend in the summers, Montreal. So uh, the closest city to Europe uh, in North America and pretty good exchange rate right now with Canada. So that there, there's a tip for you. If you're looking for a good, uh, you know, driving, you know, long weekend vacation. If you're in New York, Pennsylvania, all that area, like I'm like six, seven hours, a great, great city. So Drake, I knew I was going to school for sports journalism before we, we, we sign off here. I knew I was going to go sure. to school for sports journalism. Well, 
obviously Syracuse wasn't appealing to me at that point. Um, Syracuse was coming off a, a basketball national championship. Uh, had the Donovan McNabb factor as well. Yes, there was that. As I, but the- I'm feverishly like r- r- refreshing Twitter now because we, Syracuse might beat a ranked team for the first time all year. Okay, so here's this. Uh, here's the story. You, 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 I don't know if you believe in signs from a higher power. The day my mom and I drove up to Syracuse for like my college visit was the statewide blackout in 2003, and I was like, mm. probably not in the cards. Oh boy! So I did I w- not go to Syracuse because of that. I had just, again, the listeners are now bored to tears in this, but yes, hey, this is what you get on the show. We didn't lead the show with this, at least. No, no, we didn't. We, so we pushed this to the end. That's good content. Because yes. We got, we got the winners in. Anyway, there Come we for go. the fantasy advice. Stay for the travel tips. Uh, yeah. So I, my dad takes me. I got into Syracuse. I went to a city high school. Like, whatever. I'm in a new house. I go to orientation. It's on the floor of the Carrier Dome. You're eating uh, lunch, doing all this. They walk me into financial aid office. They go, Mr. Drake, this is what it's going to cost for your son to go to Syracuse university for four years. My dad takes one look at it, turns back and looks at me. He goes, don't sign that. <laughs> He's like, I'm a truck mechanic. I'm not paying this. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, that dream just died. So they did <laughs> no scholarship money or anything. It was uh, a thing where, the, you know, me being only 5'11", I, I didn't quite qualify for Oh, no, no, I mean, academic, you know, there's uh, all kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, what they told us, they're like, oh, we'll give you, because my best friend ended up taking the package. It's all loans. He got out of there. He's got like $175,000 in college loans. And this is in 2003 when we graduated. So, oh, yeah, my student loans have been long since paid off. Thank you, State University of New York. Uh, oh, SUNY. You went to a SUNY. Uh, SUNY Oswego. Me and Al Roker and Steve Levy. Linda Cohn. My son got into a, one of these SUNYs, the, the hard one, too. There's a couple of them are really good, like really Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Like, like, what's the one in New York? Uh, not Binghamton. Uh, it's in New York. Anyway, we, we really are boring people now. <laughs> now but. we're really off the trail here. But uh, anyways. Yeah. Anyways, well, well, this is this is what you get here on the two point stance, folks. So thank you everybody for coming and hanging with us today. Again, go to that YouTube channel, subscribe if you're listening on iTunes. Give us a nice review uh, for the two point stance, and listen to all the great pods from Fantasy Points. There's some really good stuff. If you guys are into the Senior Bowl, we had our guys down there in Mobile, including John, uh, checking out the soon to be rookies into the league. So you're not going to want to miss that stuff. So for John Hansen. And Mr. Joe Dolan, I'm Brian Drake, signing off for the two-point stance. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.